We are concluding our series, uh, Disconnected, this morning. Again, disconnected, this paradox that we are living in, where we have more ways to be connected than ever before, and yet we feel more disconnected than ever before. Uh, We are culturally disconnected, where our unifying cultural experiences have become few and far between, where we are disconnected from reality, where often we are not aware of what is even happening around us. Uh, We are even disconnected from ourselves, where we're really not in touch with who we are, or we've forgotten who we are. And the Bible is um, a book about what it looks like to be connected in a disconnected world. And faith and the community of faith helps us to reconnect. This morning we are looking at how we are disconnected from God. And again, in the West, we are less interested in religion than ever. Uh, And while people maintain that they are spiritual, organized religion is about as unpopular as you can get. But really, another phrase for organized religion is simply a community of faith. Um, Being here this morning, while is super countercultural, the fact that you are here this morning is super countercultural, Um, But in time when we are increasingly disconnected, the need for communities like this one is greater than ever. Faith and the community of faith helps us reconnect to God and to one another. Uh, This passage for this morning is from Matthew chapter 13. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and you can turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew is uh, the first book in the New Testament, if that helps you find it. Again, Matthew chapter 13. And we've asked Clark Kaufman to read the scripture this morning. So Clark, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, We stand because we believe this is the word of God. And we read from the center of the room because it's a reminder to us that the word is to be central to our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith. And so, Clark, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew chapter 13. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat on it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out and sowed his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along the thor- among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, Thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Clark, thank you very much. You may be seated. I do have a garden area in my yard. I really don't plant a garden, though. I do try to grow giant pumpkins. That's really what I try to do. Um, My record is I did once get a 130-pound pumpkin, which I'm kind of proud about. It's a long time ago. I haven't gotten anything close to that since. Um, But one thing you have to know about giant pumpkins is that you get one pumpkin per plant. Uh, And the reason that is is that you want all of the energy 
from that plant to go to the one pumpkin. That's how you get it to grow as big as you possibly can. And so you cut off any other flowers or any other pumpkins that grow. And so this year I planted three different pumpkin plants. Um, I did that back in May. One of the plants I planted on the side of my deck in my backyard, and the other two I planted in my garden area. And they all sprouted about the same time. Um, The plant on the side of my deck is the plant itself. It's probably a good 15 feet by 5 feet. It's a good size pumpkin plant, and I do have a pumpkin on it. The two that I planted in my garden area are about this big. It's all the bigger they've gotten. And my conclusion is um, I've got some bad dirt. I got some bad soil in um, my garden area. And so before next spring, I need to get to work on the soil in my garden if I'm going to try to plant anything there next year. Um, This parable that Clark just read, it's a parable about different kinds um, of soil. Throughout this series, uh, Pastor John and I, we've made multiple references to the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3 to be specific, where humanity disconnects itself from its creator. And how from the beginning, God is reaching out to us. And God's primary vehicle of reaching out to us is God's word. That's his primary vehicle. And also in this series, we've had questions on the screen to demonstrate how disconnected we are. And the question before this message was, well, how do you read the Bible? Do you read the printed Bible or Bible app or audio Bible or verse of the day or daily devotional? Um, And while most of you said printed Bible, at least that's what I saw when I looked around, we're even disconnected in how we even go about reading the Bible. But in this case, I'm kind of okay with that. Because however you read the Bible, it's okay with me. I just want you reading it. Whether it's the printed Bible, Bible app, audio Bible, daily devotional, that's great. Same thing with translations of the Bible. Many times people will ask me, what is the best translation of the Bible? And my answer is, whichever one you will read. That is the best translation of the Bible. Um, God's way to reconnect with us is his word. Again, if you go back and look throughout scripture, how did God create back in Genesis Genesis chapter 1? Well, God spoke. Um, When God gives the Ten Commandments, how did he go about doing that? Written words on tablets. The prophets, over and over again, what was the message of the prophets? They would always say many times, this is the word of the Lord. And who is Jesus? How does the Gospel of John describe who Jesus is? It calls him the word of of God. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's primary vehicle for reaching out to us is God's word. And we see that in this parable. If you go back and look in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about seed and different kinds of soil, the path and the rocky places and the thorns and the good soil. And later in Matthew, later in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus sort of explains 
what all parts of the parable mean. And this is relatively rare. Jesus usually doesn't explain in such great detail what his parables always mean. But this one he does. If you go in Matthew chapter 13 and look in verses 18 to 23, where the seed is the word, the message of the kingdom, the word of God. And then he explains that the path represents those who hear the word, but they lack understanding. They don't quite get it. And so then the evil one takes it away. And then the rocky places are people who hear the word, but because of trouble or because of persecution, you know, nothing ever really happens with it. Or um, the soil with the thorns in it. Those are people who hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth keep from anything good really happening with it. And then there's the good soil that represents people who understand the word and it actually produces something in them. We are disconnected from God because of our sin and God tries to reconnect with us through his word. And the first three soils, they represent those things which keep us from re reconnecting with God. And I think a great use of this parable is to use it in such a way to elicit a question. What keeps you from reconnecting with God? Is there some kind of lack of understanding of the message that God has that keeps you? Is there some kind of trouble that has come your way and has just totally thrown you off and you're just not sure what to do with this whole idea of God trying to reach out to you? Or is it the worries of life or the deceitfulness of wealth? What keeps you from reconnecting with God? This parable is also great to use to ask you the question, can you identify times in your life when you feel like the good soil? Where you see that God is connecting with you and you actually see it doing something in you and through you. This parable challenges us to see what kind of soil are we. But there's another message to this parable, one that we often miss. Um, there's something really wrong with this parable. And it's easy to overlook what's wrong with this parable. You know, we know this story too well. Some of us do. And because we know the story so well, you know, well, th that's just the parable of the sower. It's how it goes. Um, the plant, you know, the sower, this farmer, he plants seed in four different types of soil. And only the soil, only one kind of soil actually produces anything. So there is something very wrong with this parable, but we miss it. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew 13, uh, just do that and look at verse 3. In verse 3, Jesus begins this parable by saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. A farmer went out to sow seed. So a farmer is planting seed. We have a lot of people in this room who are farmers. Look at this parable through the eyes of a farmer. Put on your farmer eyes and look at this parable. If you are a farmer and you are planting seed, where do you plant the seed? 
And where does this farmer plant seed? <laughs> you know, another conclusion to this parable, God's a terrible farmer. <laughs> Seriously, let's take a farming test. We'll make this multiple choice. Pretend you're a farmer and you have four types of soil to plant your seed. There's the path that people walk on. You can plant your seed there. Or there's the rocky places. You can plant your seed in the rocks. Or there's the place with a bunch of thorns. You can plant your seed in the thorns. Or there's this nice patch of good soil. Where are you putting the, the seed? Where are you planting? The good soil. This is not a hard test. God must be a terrible farmer. Because it doesn't matter what condition the soil is in. God is still planting seed in it. Why plant anywhere but on the good soil? Why does God plant on the hard path and in the rocky places and in the thorns? Just plant the seed in the good soil and be done with it. Why waste your time with anything but the good? You know, last week, Pastor John had a mirror up here. And he pointed out that when it comes to mirrors, when we interact with mirrors, there are a couple things we do with mirrors. One, if we see a mirror we quickly walk away from it or walk by it. We don't want to look at it. Or we'll look in the mirror and we'll start fixing the parts of ourselves that we don't really like. We'll fix our hair or, you know, suck in our gut, whatever. Whatever it is we don't like, whether it's our weight or our wrinkles or our white hair, we either don't want to look at it or we want to cover it up. You see, we don't like to see our blemishes, our blemishes, they bother us. And the bigger the blemish, the less we like it. And sometimes our blemishes are just plain ugly. And in this series, we've been talking about how we are disconnected with technology and with busyness. And we've been focusing on the how, but I think it's a great thing to ask why. Why do we get so distracted so easily? And one of the reasons is, is that when we are disconnected and distracted, we don't see the blemishes in our souls, in our hearts, or our character. See, our character flaws, they're not pretty. And our sin can just be flat out ugly. You know, like when we lust, when our desires get out of control... And we act like animals sometimes. It's ugly. Or our greed, when having enough isn't enough. And we justify why we want more and more and more. It gets ugly. Or our gluttony, where we just consume more and more and more. It gets ugly. Our laziness, where we don't do the things that we can do and we should do. Or when we get so angry when a loved one of ours gets hurt or we get hurt and we literally want harm to come to the one who caused the hurt. We may not do anything about it, but our thoughts are when our jealousy gets so bad that we literally enjoy it when someone else has misfortune happen to them. Or we literally get upset when something good happens to someone else. It's ugly. Or our pride, where we honestly believe that we are better than others. It gets ugly. 
Our sin is ugly. It's not pleasant to look at. And we either refuse to see these things in ourselves or we cover them up. And so we spend all this time hiding and covering, which if you go back and read Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, after they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, hiding and covering is exactly what they do. They hide among the trees. They cover themselves with fig leaves. And we have been hiding and covering ever since. We have been hiding and covering our whole lives since we've been little children. We've been hiding and we've been covering. Why does God plant seed on the path and in the rocks and in the thorns? Because God sees our ugliness of our sin before we do. God knew what happened when Adam and Eve were hiding. He understood the significance of their sin before they did. And he understands the depth of our sin more than we do. And God isn't repelled by the ugliness of our sin. The good news is that God doesn't give up on us. It doesn't matter how ugly our sin is. God doesn't run away from us and God doesn't abandon us. God's love draws him near to us because of our sin. And so God comes near to us. In the parable, the word is the message. And so God calls to us. And Jesus is the ultimate word of God, the word made flesh. And so Jesus, Jesus by the Spirit still comes to us to reconnect with us in our sin so that we may be forgiven of it, so that we may be healed from it. As John 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, by his Spirit, still comes to us. Even this morning, right now, to reconnect with us in our sin so that we may be forgiven of it and healed from it. Please pray with me. Lord, once again, we come before you and we are just so thankful for your grace, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness. And Lord, we are so grateful that even though you see the depth of the ugliness of our sin, that you're not repelled by it, but rather you come near to us in it. And Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness and your healing. And just thank you for inviting us to be with you this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.